0: Hey guys, before we get started, I want to thank everybody for listening to our latest episodes. Glad you guys all dug that Mandalorian episode. Glad you guys checked out that What Have You Been Watching that we did two weeks ago because we're doing it bi-weekly now. But today, right now, you can watch this episode on YouTube. You can see our pretty faces. That's how we're doing it in the new year. Some video content. Hope everything is well. Hope your 2021 is starting off good, not making you think that... It's just 2020 part two, 2021 was like, hold my beer. Let me show you how it's done.
1: Yeah. That's what's happening over here so far. I'm not, Oh I mean, my God, I'm trying to stay really positive. Like I'm actively trying to be po- like optimistic about it. But so far 2021 is like, it's like when you have like two idiot kids and one's watching the other one is like, oh, you're doing some stupid shit. I could do that. And you're like, no, 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 no. Don't do what he's doing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Really? You want to be like that? Is that what you want to be like?
0: I saw a meme the other day. And it was a picture from that movie Babadook. And it's like the mom in the front seat had a, like, a globe attached to her face and it says, why can't you be normal? And then just cut to that kid screaming in the back seat. <laughs> yeah. And he, he had America on his face. I was like, oh, oh no. <laughs> Wild times, baby. But today, yeah. hey, we're doing something fun. We found a cool Reddit thread uh, talking about the best movie scenes, quote unquote. So, uh, follow us on social media Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod on our website, launchpadpod.com. Check out our YouTube channel. You know, let us know what you're thinking about great movie scenes. We'd love to hear from you guys. We love hearing from our listeners, but today we're going to dive into some good movie scenes, I guess. <laughs> really committed there.
1: I'm so interested to see how this goes, but. Uh, I'll do the do the song, and then we'll talk about it.
0: Roll the theme song. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, All engine running. Look We have a look All right. Welcome to Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. Matt, we're talking about good movie scenes. It's such a a, a subjective thing. But my wife started reading me this list. And every time somebody on Reddit gave a response, I was like, oh, this person doesn't know what a movie is or a scene, apparently.
1: And it's funny, like you guys who have been listening for a while, you've probably heard us before where Aaron and I both prep for the same episode, but we take the topic sentence slightly differently. And last night I was really sitting down and getting into this. And I was like, wait a minute, are we talking about the... Best movie scenes, meaning like the ones that are memorable. Or are we talking about like when you dissect the scene technolo- like technically speaking, the pacing, the editing, the
0: acting, the blocking? Is that what you mean? See, you texted me that question this morning, and here's what I read. When I read a text like this, where you basically texted me exactly what you said, I hear, are we talking about things that are purple or things that are purple? Like, you said the same thing twice. You're like, is it good, or is it, like, well-edited and well-written, and it's like, doesn't that equal good? Did you just ask, are we doing good and good? It's like, it's the same thing to me. Something Mm. that's memorable. Now, here's the thing. Memorable, in a Venn diagram, if you can see my hands, (laughs) and good intersect, but not all memorable scenes are good, because as you were sending me scenes from some shithole movie last night where people... We're obviously aliens zipped up in human suits, delivering lines that they're like human talk. Like a shitty movie.
1: This was not a movie that we're going to discuss today. But I was sending him a movie. Like you got to check this out. It's so bad. But that shit's memorable. You're going to laugh at it, right? Well, I mean, like for me, I have stuff on my list here that are scenes that I guarantee you, you could tell me where you were the first time you saw it. I guarantee you could play a lot of that scene in your mind. But I think that if you I guess what you're saying, like the term memorable makes the the difference there for me because there are some scenes that are memorable because at that point in the movie, we care for the characters and whoever's making the movie makes a scene in which something happened to those characters that we care about. But if you look at like the actual shot by shot of the scene, there's no crazy camera. There's no crazy movements. The acting might not be anything, you know, Tom Hanks Oscar winning award worthy, but we've been invested in the movie so far and that scene plays out well and there's nothing wrong with it, but the scene is, is, is classic. Or maybe it was the first time we ever saw that thing, whether it was the first time cinema saw that or the first time you specifically saw that while watching that movie, it was the first time you ever saw somebody do that. That might be memorable to you, but it might not be like, you know, Orson Welles, Citizen Kane, where, like, you can Touch of evil, it in film that, school.
0: That one shot following Yeah, that's the in there. That, that's well, on my list. So, here, the, 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 we found this on Reddit. My wife was like, hey, I found a funny Reddit thing. You might like it. It's called, What Single Scene from a Movie is an Absolute Masterpiece? So, I think they're even slapping a little butter or icing on the scenes that are good. I mean, and again, like, memorable. Mm-hmm. I will never forget the first time I saw The Green Mile and Tom Hanks pisses like it suddenly can pee and it's like shooting out like a fountain. He's like, ah, mm-hmm.
1: I'll never forget that. That's not a masterpiece. Best scene in cinema. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> what are you
0: t- it's ridiculous. <clears throat> this is now a video cast. Will you please pretend like we're on the air? You're going to ruin the podcast.
1: <laughs> Sorry. <What's in>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're not farting this week. It's funny. Last night I
1: thought I thought to make that joke, and then I was like now it just came up organically.
0: (laughs) Organically out of your ass.
1: I was thinking that too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So we're talking about scenes that are masterpieces. And and here's a couple of the things that came up when looking through this. One of the first ones that somebody says is the opening shot from contact starting in Earth's orbit, pulling away through the solar system, then the galaxy, then the universe, all while playing older and older radio signals, then ending in Ellie's eyes. Biggest stage that was ever set. That's a masterpiece to them. And, uh, you know, I had to look this up on, on the YouTube to find out like what it is and it's cool. I like the idea. It tells you quite a bit of story in one like well-crafted moment. but masterpiece. Wow, that's high praise.
1: Right. And I think like, that's even more of a term than like memorable or best. Like masterpiece, like, you know, when I prep for an episode like this, I think about what scenes strike me. I even go out and I keep all my DVDs in my garage, and I have bookcases and bookcases of them out there. and I'll just run my finger across a shelf. And see what 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 stops me, and I'll think about that. And I'll also Google it, and I don't want to steal anybody's ideas, and I'll see, you know, if someone says, oh, the Godfather scene where this, this, this happens, I'll think about it, and I'll think if I agree with it or not. But there was a bunch of stuff that I was like, yeah, that's a really memorable scene that I remember. I'll never forget it, but I would never think that that was the best scene.
0: The number two highest voted one in this Reddit list is... I have yet to see a better entrance than Jack Sparrow in the first Pirates movie, 15 minutes into that movie in the franchise peak. And I was like, that's, that's, I don't, I think you're don't missing that. Don't remember the, it.
1: I've seen that movie twice. I don't remember that scene.
0: It's a great entrance and it's funny, <laughs> but like, it does, like, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. It's not, and like a good entrance. Sure. But most memorable, a masterpiece like, is it that well-crafted that you're like, mm, when you're watching Citizen Kane or something that's considered or like arguably one of the best movies ever made, sure. say, if you're watching a Godfather movie and you're like, man, that scene in the in the diner was pretty good, but fuck, when Jack Sparrow was sinking in the boat and stepped off the sinking boat onto the dock, woo couldn't beat that.
1: Masterpiece, yeah, cinematic masterpiece. masterpiece.
0: Well- most people agree, so I guess we're the idiots.
1: <laughs> I refuse to believe that. I'm totally fine with thinking everybody else is the idiot, and that I just ha- I'm the only only one of the few that has my actual shit together. I'm I'm fine with thinking that.
0: The first one on here that I'm like, now we're talking. The T Rex breakout scene yes, in the original yes. Jurassic Park. It says a lot that a movie with a score that phenomenal has no music playing for that entire scene. So good. This I will agree with because. They're sitting in the stopped cars and the kids are fucking around with the flashlights and the goggles and they look over and this goats there. And as the scene progresses and everybody's kind of having small talk and dialogue, and it's kind of, it's kind of bringing the tone down and a little bit making you bored on purpose because then suddenly they go, where's the goat? And you look over and the goat's gone and you realize the T-Rex is nearby. And it's like, holy shit
1: and the fence is off i you know, it's funny i had a movie night with some friends last night over zoom and i threw this question out there said hey what's 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 a memorable scene what's a great scene and that was the first one this scene was one of the first ones that anyone brought up they said when the two explorers are stopped uh on jurassic park and the t-rex escapes yeah and i agree with that and i think like that's one of those movies and i i felt this way about a lot of spielbergs as i thought about it there's a lot of scenes in this... Pick Jurassic Park. There's a lot of scenes that I could say are memorable or were great or were the best yeah. scenes. But I think that's probably like a, almost like a ultimate one where you're just like... You're super invested in these characters. Everybody acts well. The shots are, are thought out. The effects look great. It doesn't do anything crazy that pulls you out of it. It can, then keeps you in it. And I love the fact that that person, that Reddit commenter, sp- specified that the music stops because... You think about that. That's a very important thing, and and that's that's the way, like what I was saying about the technical aspects of like you might not realize part of why that scene is more impactful to you is because the music stops, or in other situations, music swells, or music choice makes you feel a certain way. Yeah, but that shit all is becomes a perfect storm of this scene that you know really kicks that movie off, right, and
0: stays in your head. And that whole T Rex scene is incredible. I mean, when the T Rex attacks. That's an amazing scene but the build up to it it builds the tension in such a way and we know from what the people in the situation cannot see happening back at the command center everybody there's like um those cars are stuck in front of the T-Rex pad and the fence is off And Hammond, the guy in charge of the park, is like, go get my grandkids. And the panic and the urgency in his voice, you know they're in deep shit. And then the scene shows you how much shit they're in. And it was like, it pays off. It's making you a slow promise that this is bad, guys, and then delivers on that promise. And that's, man, what an intense and great scene. And the buildup is perfect. And then I think the T-Rex scene is one one of the best. And you know what's funny? Not the only Steven Spielberg scene on that we'll talk about today. Oh, for
1: sure. Agreed. And this is great, like you said, but it, and you can't understate it. However, I wouldn't say masterpiece because it's not really a great introduction to the T-Rex. If the T-Rex had come up on a boat that was sinking and stepped <laughs> off, I would have been like, ah, mwah, perfect. <laughs>
0: perfect. <laughs> so then right underneath it, somebody says another Steven Spielberg. The Normandy scene from Saving Private Ryan. Now, this is where I got a little conflicted.
1: Yeah, same with me. Let me hear it. Let me hear why you did, and I'll tell you what I did.
0: You could make an entirely separate list of awesome fight scenes or battle scenes because of spectacle. Sure, and that's not to say that the Normandy scene from Saving Private Ryan isn't incredibly well crafted, well acted, well edited—all the things that make a great scene. I agree, it's a great scene, but because it's a battle scene and you have dudes on fire, people picking up severed limbs, does that? Give you an unfair advantage to be a great scene because of its flashiness. It's like fireworks. Like I've seen great fireworks displays and I've seen mediocre fireworks displays, but they're still like Ooh, you still saw shit can-. exploding, yeah, s- exploding right. in the air. Yeah, right. I've s- I saw the the sky on fire. How cool is that? Like, is it unfair to have a bitch and fight scene? And in this specific case, I'll
1: add another layer to that. This is based on one of the most famous battles of one of our most important and famous wars where like undisputably we were in the right and the bad guys were in the wrong. Like they were the bad guys. There was nope. no one except Nazis who could say that, well, Germany had some good points too. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's you. And I feel like if you have ever thought a think about world war two, before yep. walking in that movie, you're bringing that in with you. So you're like, you're already kind of emotionally primed for that scene. My mind jumped to Schindler's list and doing research online. A lot of people put the, 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 the scene with the little girl in the red, in the red coat yeah. from that. And you know, a couple of these scenes I rewatched last night because I was like, you know what? I remember loving that, but why? And I watched the little girl within the red coat scene and it's brilliant. But it is little kid innocent music, a little girl kind of walking almost absentmindedly along with all these atrocities happening around her. But I was like, would I explain this to a film school on how to make an effective scene? And I feel like there's some Spielberg magic there that makes that scene memorable, even though I think the main strongest point as far as a device is the juxtaposition, I guess it's almost like a two, three-way juxtaposition of this cute little girl that she's visually standing out to us. And she's like, she's literally walking past a line of people as they get shot and she pays them no mind. And the music is like,
0: la, 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 la,
1: And I think you, and you're also watching Liam Neeson and his, his girlfriend watch this happen. And I think it's just such a gut punch But I don't know if that's in the filmmaking or just in the storytelling as a
0: whole. And this movie's been black and white and her coat is in color.
1: Right, exactly. So you got a visual, which I think is a filmmaking device right there. But I think like that and the Saving Private Ryan thing, Saving Private Ryan, I think is, like you said, you said the best thing. It's a spectacle. It's more of a spectacle than a fight scene. And I guess another point on the other side of the same fence, though, for me, is you and I work in production. we know what it goes into taking to make like a fight scene with a bunch of extras. Can you imagine the production of that Normandy invasion scene? How much must've went into that. And that to me makes the, the stock in that scene as a best scene or a memorable scene go up because I'm like, fuck man, those actors, those directors, the guys who set up the fake mortars,
0: that was some shit. And that scene is a masterpiece. I'm not going to say it's not a masterpiece, but does it deserve an asterisk if you're trying to put it up next against the Rosebud moment from mm. Citizen Kane, if that's if that's your bag? You know, if you, if you pick like a classic movie where the character, like, here, here's one, for example, that I consider a masterpiece. Um, Eyes Wide Shut. Stanley Kubrick, who's a great mm. director. He has plenty of masterpiece scenes. Several are on my list, but Eyes Wide Shut's a weird one because it's not... A generally liked movie of his. It's a very weird one, but there's a scene in it. It's Nicole Kidman talking to Tom Cruise, and she's telling him about this one time she was mentally unfaithful to him. She saw this man who was beautiful, and she's and the camera's just slowly pushing in on her. And she has this moment where she says, He looked at me and I could not move. And the scene is dark. It's dangerous. It's sexy. It draws you in. And I was like, that's a masterpiece. Cause it took me from a movie that I was like, this is kind of boring and meandering to grabbing my attention in a single person's performance. Mm. And the camera knew what to do. The actor knew what to do. The scene knew what it was doing and it pulled you in and sucked you in and you could not look away. That to me is masterpiece because it changed the attitude from whatever you were before, to suddenly focused. And and I think that's amazing. But can I put that up next next to a battle, one person talking in a single shot? No. No, the battle's going to win for me personally every day. Like, (laughs) fuck yeah, battle. But I've also seen battles filmed worse that were equally impactful because you're like, fuck yeah, battle. Like, right?
1: It's interesting. I guess that's like, to me, I would just be like, how can I quantify it? Like, What's your favorite fruit? I don't know. I like bananas, but I also like grapes. They're like, well, that's a long fruit, and that's a circle fruit. And you're yeah. like, well, yeah, but they're fruit, so fucking, I don't know. Let's have fruit salad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like, Here's somebody who says, uh, the best sequence uh, ever, the best scene ever is John Wick tearing through the club in John Wick 1. It's one of my favorite action events and movies ever. Super well done and thought out, too. Agreed. you you when you say
1: ever, like, I think any action any action sequence in John Wick 1 and John Wick 3 maybe in John Wick 2 I think those are fucking fantastic and they're fantastic. among the best action action sequences sure. but when you're talking about best movie scenes no way doesn't make the top 100 list of no, movie
0: scenes not not a masterpiece Ma- like if you were like action scenes mm-hmm. yes. yes but that's the thing it's like action scenes suddenly like I feel like unfairly they get a second tier to masterpiece elevated, but that's the same thing that always happens. Oscars don't hand out Oscars to horror movies usually because it's like they're second sure. tier action movies don't get masterpiece titling because, Oh, they're an action movie. They're lesser. And I disagree with that. But at the same time, like you can't deny that that isn't sort of true in reality. Well, maybe
1: a way to kind of, to, to, to frame this question is, and I think about this all the time. If an alien came down and was like, "I can watch 5 movies." That's it. You show me the 5 best movies that there are. <laughs> You're right, John Wick is great, Saving Private Ryan is great, but top 5 ever, you know, I can't I don't know that I can I certainly can't do that with John Wick. I don't think I could even do that with Saving Private Ryan. So when you say best scenes, I'm assuming that there's an alien or or someone or something who has never seen and let's just say for the sake of arguing, American cinema, and was like, I need to see your top examples of this. John Wick wouldn't make my list. You know, Contact wouldn't make my list. Black Pearl, uh, 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 Pirates of the Caribbean wouldn't make my list of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like,
0: <laughs> can you imagine the one guy who posted this thing on Reddit? Ratt- the aliens are like, you, we've chosen you. And he's like, check this scene out. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> oh, man, that's amazing. And the aliens are like, what's a boat?
1: <laughs> it's the aliens. I was going to say the opposite. It's the aliens from the s- from signs. And they're like, wait, there's water here?
0: Zoom, zoom. <laughs> 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 oh, it, it's crazy. And, and fight scenes are interesting because I, I bring up the movie The Raid, which if we go by the argument that fight scenes can make a movie a masterpiece or a fight scene can be a masterpiece... That movie is connected masterpiece fight scenes, just like John Wick, back to back to back. So Mm. is The Raid the best movie ever? Is John Wick the best movie ever? Again, if you say masterpiece,
1: a masterpiece film, to me, I'm thinking about it the next day. If a week, a year, a month later, you tell me you haven't seen it, I'm like, oh, you need to stop what you're doing and watch it. And not just that, but I want to watch it with you. You know, which I will with John Wick. I do feel that way. Yeah, you have
0: not knocked either of these films off, by, but off that. But not like
1: Saving Private Ryan level or like even like for me, like I have Psycho and Psycho is on here twice arguably for me. And to me, I don't care if I think like you're not going to like Psycho. I feel like you need to see it just to understand a couple things about it. Even if you don't like it, even if you don't agree with it, there's some stuff in Psycho that like to me is almost historic. It's like, I guess if if... The world was on fire, which we can argue it is, and it was up to me to preserve this. You know, to preserve American. Let's again, just for the sake of argument, American cinema. I could only put so much on the Noah's Ark of American cinema. I don't know that John Wick is going to make it compared to Psycho.
0: The the funny thing is, is I've actually stopped what I was doing and made a friend watch The Raid before, and they were like, "Wow, that was amazing! (laughs) Changed your life." Changed their life. I mean, I love that movie so much. I don't think I would do that. Like, my wife has never seen Shawshank Redemption, I haven't stopped what we're doing to watch Shawshank Redemption, even though that to me is a movie arc movie. That is a movie. Well, me that ask, shows. Is it, yeah.
1: So what's if I asked you right now, what is a better movie, Shawshank Redemption or The Raid? Can you answer that? And you know, you don't have to, I'm asking. Can you answer
0: that? I would watch The Raid anytime, at any point, and I have fun doing it. Shawshank Redemption. I have to go. Okay.
1: All right. That's fair. We're hitting play.
0: Okay. Shawshank Redemption is a better movie. It has more emotional. Uh, Okay. See that. Yeah. Shawshank Redemption. But when I want to watch a movie, I want to watch the raid. I rarely am like, okay, I want to be sad and melancholy, but also have like the perseverance of human nature, like Andy Dufresne. Which Andy, like Shawshank Redemption, is on on this list several times. There's people Mm -hmm. like his escape is incredible. You know the scene on the rooftop are masterpiece scenes, but again we're we're getting into the full movie. That's a different podcast that has a different asterisk, a big old fat asterisk, a different like purple. Well, then movies. let's just do this. We're let's just do scenes.
1: I think that we probably could nitpick the definition all day, yeah. but let's just let's just forge ahead of here and let's read more from the list. But also let's talk about what do you, what's what is a masterpiece scene for you? What's a scene that sticks with you? What's something that you put on your list?
0: All right, I got a Steven Spielberg one right off the bat. This scene always sticks in my head because of how how well it was done. And this is the dinner scene from Hook.
1: Uh, With him and the Lost Boys?
0: Him and the Lost Boys. He's like, I'm starving. I'm starving. And they put down all, all these steaming bowls. And he's like, oh, man, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. And they're like, let's eat. And they start lifting off the lids, and the bowls are empty. And the kids, all the Lost Boys, are pretending to eat. And they're like, mm, this is good. And he's like, oh, my God, you guys are idiots. And they're like, come on, eat, dude, do it, eat. And everybody's pretending, pantomiming, eating like corn on the cob and and whatever, <laughs> burgers, sandwiches. And, and he can't. And then he starts to like see through it and become invested in it. And then suddenly he sees the food. And it's just a beautiful, that Steven Spielberg magic, man. It's a beautiful scene that builds well. And when he finally sees the food, you feel the joy of, like, yes, I'm doing it. And then he, like, accepts being Peter Pan, which is a beautiful moment. And yes, it's a cheesy, fun, you know, kids' movie, but I love that movie. And that scene to me is one of those masterpiece scenes that, Mm. even though the movie isn't better than many other movies, that scene, I think you could stack up against better movies and, and, and win.
1: See that's fair. Now it's funny because last night while I was trying to think of my favorite scenes, I kept coming back to a couple like archetypes, like scenic archetypes, like reveals were one for me. Big day. and and yes. like uh, surprise, like surprises, especially horror surprises. Be like not jump scares, but horror surprises was a thing that I personally kept coming back to in my most memorable scenes. But I think you just hit on one that I didn't even think of, and that's like a childish awakenment and nostalgic feeling and I think that especially now that we're fucking old men we watch a scene like that and we can understand especially now that we're fucking fathers dude you can understand like that childlike magic of just believing and how it changes your world and really that 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 whole scene really could be a metaphor right but I think you could very easily think of all these scenes that either touched you as a child or I was going to say are about touching child. But, that's not, <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Like that, th- that scene is about, uh, about the touchingness of a child. And I thought the same thing about some things from, I didn't put it on my list, but a Christmas story. There's just too many scenes in that movie that hit me right in the heart. Yeah. And a lot of that is because of the nostalgic feeling that that movie emits,
0: you know? Oh, fudge was my masterpiece scene from Christmas story. Oh, nice. Okay. We'll roll into it. Roll into it. Because it, you have this scene that really, it doesn't affect the Christmas nature of the movie. It has nothing to do with him getting the rifle that he wants for Christmas, nothing to do with Santa Claus, but it captures this moment, and my favorite thing about it is it's from his point of view. He goes outside to help his dad fix a flat tire, and his dad's helping him, and the dad accidentally knocks the hubcap holding all the bolts over, and Ralphie goes, oh, fudge but that's not what i said but i, I didn't said say it the, fudge. yeah i didn't say fudge and i love that point of view that you're getting even though the f- movie's lying to you you know what the truth is and they then they are, admit to it and the way his dad looks at him and the trouble he gets into and he gets back in the car and he whispers to his mom and she's like <gasps> no and then it just cuts to him with a bar of soap in his mouth perfect way to get out of that scene it's great oh it it's,
1: absolutely is
0: And I think that's a scene that's so well-crafted, perfectly timed, well-edited, and just nails that moment when the first time your parents are like, what did you just say?
1: I loved it. I love it. And now that is kind of opening the gate to one of the archetype scenes that I was talking about, which is comedy. Like, for comedy to work, there almost always has to be a timed element, right? Yeah. Like, the most basic joke, if it's timed wrong, or said at the wrong time, or said in the reverse order, or with not enough gap between the setup and the payoff,
0: if it's we not watched funny. that family drive home before we saw the bar of the bar of soap in his mouth, absolutely it, that right. that punchline would have right. had a gap in it. So it's it's very important,
1: and I think we've we've all seen fun or movies that were trying to be funny that were not funny, and they they miss the mark with a couple of things. But I think, and this is one of those things, it was late last night when I thought of this. Otherwise, I would have went out to my comedy because I have my movie set up in sections out in the garage. I would have looked through my comedy section. I would have picked the comedic things I liked. But one that did jump out to me was The Graduate, which is, it's just so fucking good. But the scene in which he returns Mrs. Robinson to her house for the first time, and it's the Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me scene, that whole scene plays out with him getting more and more uncomfortable as she's getting more and more sexual. It makes me laugh so hard where she goes upstairs and she's like, "Ugh, I don't want to go back downstairs. Can you get my purse? And he's like, I need to go. Like This is odd and weird and I'm uncomfortable. And she's like, can you bring my purse? And he's yelling at her, from the bottom of the stairs, I'm just gonna leave it down here. And she's like, "Benjamin, you're being childish. Bring it up." So he comes like halfway up the stairs and like lobs it to the top of the stairway. And he's like, "It's at the top of the stairs." And he turns around to leave, and she's like, "You know, like, you know, be- degrading him from the from the bathroom." Finally, he comes up, and she traps him in the room naked. But it's this just build of her getting more and more sexual, him getting more and more physically, visually uncomfortable, and it's just played out. so so funny. It cracks me the fuck up. And to me, that is more memorable. Than, I hate that. I didn't say that any part of that movie, but I do not like that movie. Do you understand it?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I understand it. I just do not get, I just do not get why. When people was the last time okay. you gave it a shot? Uh, I, pfft, within 10 years.
1: Mm, I guess that's enough. I love it, man. It, the first time I saw it, it was one of those, like what I always call like the Kirby response where like, I understand why it's important. I understand that it's good, but I have no personal affinity to it. Yeah. But then one day I watched it and I was like, this is fucking hysterical.
0: Oh, I it's was appalled. Just... I was appalled by it because basically this <laughs> kid's being sexually assaulted against his will. He gives in though. At but first, like, yeah. He gives in though. But it's like, that's fucked up. And then it's just so boring. Plastics, please. That's that's the joke. But then like, it's not funny. It's like hysterical. The whole movie is full of these like boring moments where he's like talking to people and you just don't give a shit what they say. And then he goes and tries to save this wedding and they drive off in a car and you're like, yay, happy ending. But you're like, no, what are they going to do now? What no, are they going to the, do That now? is the ending that their faces say that. Yeah. Well, that sucks. It sucks. <laughs>
1: that sucks. Sucky. I love it. That's sucky. I love it. I love I, it.
0: I don't know. It's just a bunch of people making very bad mistakes that I hate watching happen.
1: <laughs> that's fair. I think that's fair because I don't think, I don't think it's a dark comedy or a black comedy but it it is darker it's definitely on the darker spectrum of comedy like sure you're you're kind of like laughing nervously at, at a lot of that.
0: I will give you that it's well crafted that scene is is whether you think it's funny or not I found it horrifying and appalling but it, it's like the the crafting of it made you feel something a visceral response it made sure you go, whoa and I ah, guess even you disliking yeah. it yeah yeah it made me cringe it made me cringe more it made me cringe even the most and then I was like, I don't want to watch this movie uh we're gonna have to sit there this is like Half, we're not even halfway through and this is happening. Oh, fuck. I got a whole movie of this shit. Great. Cool. You're hoping your neighbors aren't fucking your friends like that? That's messed up.
1: No, I'm hoping they are. It
0: seems hysterical. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let me hit you with another one. All right, go for it. Changing gears, hardcore, back to to black and white and scary, psycho. Which is a movie to me that just—I mean, first of all, Alfred Hitchcock. We could yeah. do a whole fucking list on his. You, you said you had two scenes.
0: for this movie that you thought I were
1: did. masterpieces, and, and these are not. I guarantee you that you're not going to see these scenes coming. The shower scene? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Obviously, the shower scene I think is the most memorable, and it's great. But it's to a masterpiece. Me,
0: yeah, that, that, I think that's on every list,
1: though. But it ha- but that's the thing. But also, there's a, that's one of those. If you if you really want to deconstruct the question again, that's one of those things we all saw that scene before we saw that movie, right? Like we knew that, so it's already hammered into you that whether that movie you saw that scene
0: there. or you saw a parody of that scene, how many sure, times you've like, seen it? I've seen that with the whack whack whack, some right. sort of version or blueprint of that. I've seen it. Well, to me, and
1: I love Psycho, and I love my. My story of Psycho, like, I'd seen that scene. I'd
0: you're like, I didn't really get into it. Psycho until I got into college, and then I was, like, on this trip, and I got into Psycho. Is that, is that how it goes? No,
1: it was in high school. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even listen to my stories, Rumi. I was on a movie, not in college. <laughs> I knew the ending. I knew the whole movie. Like, I could have told you, not beat by beat, but pretty much the whole plot, and I knew it, and I got it for Christmas when you are in high school. I think it was a junior in high school, and I watched it. And going into it knowing and still getting fucking goosebumps at scenes. And this is one of the scenes that did it for me. Uh, Arbogast, who is the private investigator, he finds out that the mother is in the house and he sees her in the window. And they're like, "Uh, that doesn't make sense. And he's like, I'm going to go check it out. He sneaks into the house. And now we know that the quote unquote mother has murdered Marion Crane, right? Whether you yeah. know, know, or think you know, or whatever, you see an old lady-ish character murder somebody already. So you know that he's on the right track, and you know that he's in danger. There's a couple really good low shots of him entering the house. It's an interior, sh- he's in the, the camera's interior, he enters from the exterior, he's about to go down a hallway, and then he looks up the stairs, and goes up the stairs. Now, we know the mother's bedroom is upstairs.
0: yeah. He
1: knows the mother's bedroom's upstairs.
0: The moment he changes his mind is like the, oh no. Yes,
1: and it, it, it clicks. You can almost hear that like, you have been locked into this decision. There's no way you're going to come out of this. Yeah. Then there's this wonderful uh, tracking shot of, of the, the the camera. He's walking up the stairs. The camera's in front of him, and he's walking towards camera, and the camera is backing up up the stairs.
0: It gets up high. When yeah. he
1: gets to the top, it is a bird's eye view. I literally, I'm no joke right now, you guys, for sure, for literal... Look, I have goosebumps because I'm thinking it's, about this.
0: This this is my favorite scene of the movie too. I, I bird's eye yeah, view, right? This is a Masterpiece. Which yeah.
1: now, when when you see this bird's eye view, we've seen bird's eye view before, but it is an odd choice in this situation because you don't normally you don't see don't them know inside.
0: Yeah, you don't right. see. And, but you birds don't know, eye views like, There's no reason either.
1: to be doing it like this. Yeah. Until he gets to the top of the stairs, turns a corner, and from the opposite end of the hallway, the mother character comes rushing out at him with a knife. It is one of the most effective scares I can think of, because if you had shot that in any other sort of more conventional way, it, like the fact that the, cho- the the shot choice that they did use was odd to begin with, it almost kind of makes your skin crawl because you're like, well, why are they shooting it? Th-? Like if you know film, you're like, why are they shooting this way? This looks odd. Before you can finish that thought, the mother comes out and starts stabbing him. He, it goes back to that uh ex- pretty, pretty extreme close up to his face. Now he's falling down the stairs and the camera falls with him. Yeah. Yeah, And then he hits the bottom of the stairs and it's a medium and she jumps from like four or five steps up and lands on him stabbing. And it's like, it just comes out of nowhere. It almost puts you, you're not in his point of view as far as a film term, but you're in his perspective where you're like investigating the house with him and you're just as fucking scared as he is when
0: she jumps out at him. I love it. I love it. It's so violent and arguably more violent than the shower scene because... I agree. I agree. You see it. And now here's the thing about the shower scene. I want to come back to the shower scene real quick. Everybody remembers the shower scene. Everybody knows Mm -hmm. this woman gets stabbed and it's shocking. The part that I think people lose about what makes that scene a masterpiece and what makes that scene so fucking crazy ties to and basically informed... Scream, the movie Scream, Mm. that scene in the shower, as with that, the first scene of Scream, which I also think is a masterpiece, even though you're basically just ripping off Psycho, you have killed what the audience thought was the main character in the first like 20 minutes of your movie. Mm. And when, when they killed her in Psycho, everyone was like, what, wait, what? We saw this woman basically steal a bunch of money and she's on the run. You
1: gave her a whole
0: backstory, a whole whole beginning of an arc. She's a famous actress, Uh, like what? And then you kill her in the first 20 minutes of the movie? Like what the hell? Mm -hmm. It changed your expectations, completely shattering them as with Scream. And I think Psycho doing that makes that scene a masterpiece because it totally subverted your expectations and basically made you feel very unsafe watching this movie because you did not know who else they could kill. Yeah, and it's kind of like how I described the Arbogast scene because
1: yep. the way the movie has been constructed, the way they put the pieces together, what they put, what they didn't put, makes you feel a certain way on a technical level. It's like what you're saying. When you kill Marion Crane in the beginning, you're now, un, as an audience member, you're now unmoored from the film because you usually need a, 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 a protagonist to attach yourself to to go through the movie with. So now it's like, it's almost like bringing you into a haunted house with a guide and then ripping the guide from you and like find your way out and you're like but wait i don't know where where to go next and when your main character is pulled out of your movie like that then you're like what 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 are we doing
0: next i love it when i watch a movie and suddenly i'm feeling unsafe because the movie yeah you're like movie, what is happening yeah, now the movie has left me being like i don't i have no idea where you're going to go with this because you have ripped out all my expectations and subverted mm. them and I, what what is this movie going to do it's hard what is this movie capable because that's yeah, it. Like, really you
1: doing do. that could sink your movie if you don't do the next step properly, which is keep me informed and entertained in a way that's engaging.
0: Because it's about confirming your expectations or subverting your expectations. And if you rip out too many rungs to that ladder, I think audience members would be like, oh, "Okay, movie, you're you're out there. I get it. You're out there, and like, I think you lose investment in the movie. So it needs to do something to pull you in, and then like shake you around a little bit. So you or like spin you, maybe even is a better term for it, so that you're a little bit dizzy, but it keeps mm. it keeps confirming what you expect every now and then. So you're like, you're like, oh, oh okay, okay, my feet are my feet are back on solid ground, and then rip them out again. So it's mm-hmm. like it, it, you can't you can't just constantly be hitting people with." with doozies you have to you have to make them lull them into a sense of comfort before you hit them again and i think that this that psycho does that kills your main character 20 minutes in you're like oh, i don't know what's happening and then just when you think like oh this detective's gonna figure it out cops are usually good guys in movies uh they're he's gonna go figure it out and save the day oh, oh no he's going in the house alone oh, oh no no don't go upstairs and then suddenly you know that he's in a bad place. You just don't know when it's going to hit him. And when it right. hits him, it comes out of nowhere. Bam! And then, getcha!
1: I knew how the movie ends, right? Spoiler yep. alert if you guys haven't seen it. I knew that they there is a mother corpse. I know that that was going to be a reveal. I knew that was coming. You have your main characters, who's Sam Loomis, who's Marion's boyfriend, and Marion's sister, which also is awesome because they are now like uh, uh, an investigative team With absolutely no sexual or romantic connection, which is, again, normally a pitfall of a movie where it's like, well, a young guy and a young girl, they're both our protagonists. we got to have them at least slightly interested in each other. This movie doesn't do that at all because they have to find this fucking missing girl. They are coming up with this plan where he's going to kind of get Norman in one area and she's going to go investigate the house and talk to the mom. Now, we know that that is dangerous, even if you don't know the reveal, which I did. But even yeah. if you don't know the reveal, you know that this is dangerous because there is a killer on the loose, regardless of who it is.
0: And we know what happened the last time somebody went looking for the Exactly.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. right. Well, Evidence by this scene I just described.
0: But she so, goes to the basement, which you're like... She, and
1: as she's doing that, it's cutting yeah. back and forth to a more and more tense conversation between Norman Bates and Sam Loomis's character to the point where... Norman Bates ends up realizing something is up and he knocks Sam Loomis out. So he starts rushing back to the house. So even if you don't know he's the killer, you now know that she's in danger of being discovered. And if you don't know he's the killer, you assume the mom is the killer who should still be in the house that she's
0: in. And he knows that, the like, in your head at this point in the movie, you, you're like you just said, you're wondering if he's the killer or mom's the killer. But we know that Norman Bates knows that his mom is dangerous.
1: Correct. Absolutely. And like you said, we the last we saw, he put mom in the cellar. Now, it was a corpse, but you're not supposed to know that. But we know she's supposed to be in the cellar. And uh, when Norman Bates is coming back, uh, Marion's sister goes into the cellar to hide from him. While she's down there, she sees Norma Bates, the mom. Her back is to the... Now, I knew it was going to be a corpse. She spins it around. Yeah, we've all seen it. Yeah. She spins it around on a... It's like on a turntable. The rocking chair's on a turntable, so it just turns with this reveal that's even punctuated with a very Halloween-y shake of the skeleton. I swear to God, it is so fucking effective. Because right when that happens, Norman Bates runs in behind her, dressed as mother, yelling out, "I am Norma Bates!" And he goes to hit, her, or stab her with the knife, and in doing so, knocks the light. The light fucking swings back and forth. That, that Bernard Herman score starts playing the psycho theme. Sam Loomis gets in there just in time to grab Nor- uh, to grab Norman Bates' arm, but yeah. the even when he has been subdued the music keeps going the light keeps swinging and it keeps cutting back to the corpse
0: and the eye sockets the shadows swimming yes, in the eye sockets it
1: is and she's screaming the whole the 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 girl's screaming the whole time to me i again no joke i have goosebumps in the back of my neck just describing it and thinking of the image that's when when you're when i'm watching a movie that i know what is about to happen but it still scares me fuck man what's more effective a scene than that
0: it's so Good. I mean, it, th- again, that's why that's why Hitchcock is a master. It's a masterpiece. This is why mm. Psycho is revered. And it's like there's a lot I'm of. Don't have movies. to fucking
1: watch that movie tonight. Now <laughs> 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 we've talked about it too much, man. Let
0: me see. Let me find another one that I liked. Uh, okay. Let me give you. I'll give you an option. Do you want me to rip on one that I hate that somebody brought up on Reddit, or talk yes. about one that
1: I like? Okay. Do it in that order. Do one then the other.
0: Okay, the opening scene on the dairy farm in *Inglorious Bastards*. the editing, cinematography, and acting are absolutely insane, and they maintain the tension of a very dramatic scene. I hate this movie. Agreed. And this opening scene is an example of somebody who watched all these other movies and is trying to pull off a great scene. Watch how I can write this awesome masterpiece scene.
1: Nice try, Quentin. <laughs> yeah, I.
0: it drives me nuts, because the whole time it's like, I'm going to do something to build tension now. And just when you can't take it, I'm going to start the scene over and he's going to ask for a second glass of milk. And I'm like, blow my brains out. You're dragging this on. You're not building tension because it's so, it's like, it's like the pandering tune. They might as well just put on an 80s song and, and pissed you off. I mean, <laughs> like, it's, it's pandering to the concept of tension and, I get it. It's scary to have people hidden under the floor and have, have have Jewish people hiding under the floor and these Nazis are there, but there are other movies that build tension better and do a better job. This movie just says, I'm going to copy the beats to all of those. Mm. I know I'm doing it. You almost know I to do it. I'm practically winking at the camera that I'm doing it and just drag it out as long as I can. And I, I just got exhausted with that, that it's like, yeah, y- you're not doing it because it's smart or clever. Or even well done. You're doing it because these are the beats that create a
1: tension. You read the textbook and now you're doing it. See, I saw that movie once when it was still in theaters. Hated every minute of it pretty much while I watched it. I haven't seen it since. I should probably give it another turn, like another try just to try it. But to me... I know that that's not a great scene, at least as far as I'm concerned, because I don't remember it. I don't remember anything about it. I remember a couple blips from that movie, not even full scenes, just a couple blips, and that's not one of them. So how fucking good could it have been? You know what I mean? Like, we can argue about Jaws and Psycho and Godfather and any other Spielberg movie or whatever, but like... Any of those movies, you can bring up the most boring scene in that movie. I remember watching it. I remember what happened. I at least remember the important. I don't yeah. remember the opening zig. I saw someone said the opening scene in The Glorious Bastards or the farm scene in Orient. I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember what happened. And now that you said it, I was like, Oh yeah, there was a family under a floor. I remember that.
0: They do it repeatedly in this movie. There's a scene where they're playing cards in like in, in Nazi disguises and they're doing they do it again. Mm-hmm. And it's just like That one's exhausting, and that one pisses me off even more because they kill a character who they just introduced in the scene previous as being so fucking important that they waste 10 minutes telling us what a badass this motherfucker is, and then he gets killed in the very next scene (laughs) negating the past 30 minutes of this movie.
1: Now you're just wasting my time.
0: Now you're just wasting my time. And then they do it again later when uh, one of the main characters is having dinner with the head Nazi, and he's like, I want to order whipped cream for my pie or whatever, and you got to wait for it. And then they drag out the conversation to to build tension. That's not how you build tension. Having a conversation you don't want to have isn't building tension. It's making me sit through a boring conversation. Like, oh. Yeah, right.
1: I, <laughs> I get that. I get that.
0: Yeah, and I, and I don't know. Like, I I don't know how to tell you that. Well, it hits all the beats. Yeah, of course it does. But like, it feels like you're hitting the beats textbook.
1: Yeah, and I and, I understand that. I get that feeling.
0: Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's gonna be a good one. People love it. People. Love it. Okay. I'm trying to think if I should go old or new. Uh, Let me just do some quick ones. One of my favorite fight scenes, the hatchet fight from Legend of Drunken Master. Uh, The blood test from The Thing. There's how you build tension. Sure. That's great. Child's Play, the battery scene. We've talked about it. An incredible moment when the mom realizes that Chucky doesn't have batteries. Ah, here's one.
1: Ah, he even, he gave me like a finger point as if he had just thought of it. Ah, yes. uh, mm.
0: Something wicked this way comes. The library scene. Have you seen this Never movie? Never saw Ray? it. No. I love this movie. This is a Disney movie based on the Ray Bradbury book Something Wicked This Way Comes about a evil circus that comes to town and then bas- basically needful things that shit. So <laughs> Stephen King reference to a Ray Bradbury book. So this circus comes to town and if you want something you see it there like this this old teacher goes inside the house of mirrors and she sees herself young and beautiful and then she becomes young and beautiful but goes blind. Very needful things. There's a there's a merry-go-round that that if you Write it forwards, it makes you old. If you write it backwards, it makes you young. Crazy, crazy cool scene. And these two boys, these two best friends, they kind of uncover the secret. And the owner of the circus, who's a big evil guy with a big top hat, uh, he's going to try and kidnap the kids and kill them. Cool, right? Awesome. One of the children's fathers is gone. He has left town. And the kid is always lying about what his dad's up to. And the other kid's father runs the library. And he's old and regrets being old like that that's really weighing on him that he's too he's an older father with a young son, and he can't do a lot of things and one of the one of the things that really weighs on his heart is he couldn't jump in and save his son from drowning, and another man had to do it, and that has always weighed heavy on his heart
1: that's fucking heavy.
0: it's really heavy, so the kids are hiding from this evil ringmaster and the circus freaks who are chasing them. They go to the library and his dad's like, yeah, this, I'm, I'm looking at the history of the town and this circus shows up every couple years and bad shit goes down. And I don't know why we didn't know about this. And suddenly the ringmaster shows up. I think his name's Mr. Dark. Why not? <laughs> and the, the father tells the kids to hide. It's played by Jason Robards, by the way. It's amazing. The ringmaster's like, I, I know you're his father you're feeling old, aren't you? How about I give you a taste of death? And he picks up this book and he's like, just a little taste, just something that'll take five years off your life. That's long enough for you not to meet your grandkids. Boom, rips a page out of the book and he feels the heart attack. And he's like, not to grow old enough to see him married, rips a page out of the book. Ah, he's feeling it even harder. He starts ripping pages, just counting the years off. 10 years, you could still be old enough to like walk with your son, share a glass of whiskey with, boom, rips that page out, gone. And he's throwing the pages on the ground. Every time he rips them up, they catch on fire and he flows to the ground. And this guy's heart attack's getting worse and worse and worse. And he's like ripping the pages out. And then he's like, and now your heartbeat is slower and slower and slower. And the guy basically dies. And he's like but I'll let you live so you can watch me kill your kids. And it was like, what the fuck? And it's just one of those scenes that gets me going every time because it's so haunting. And just to, to list everything that he was afraid of missing, of failing his son again in the future of being an adult to take that away from him by just, just ruining his heart from the inside with magic. That's fucked up. It was so fucking cool and cold. What a cold scene! And I like—I respond really well to scenes that are just cold as ice.
1: Not as good as Jack Sparrow stepping off a boat, but <laughs> well, you know, you're you're saying that, and I realized at a certain point, I was like, for the sake of the show, should I should I say a word? Because I was so enthralled with what you were saying, I was fucking eating it up like an audio book. I was like, oh, I got to watch this movie. And like you guys know Aaron by now, he's a little bit fucking an- animated, and I like he's when he was ripping pages out of the book, he's ripping pages out of an imaginary book. But like I'm enthralled by what you're saying. I'm engrossed in what you're saying because the scene that you're describing seems so interesting and so cool. When you think about like when you were telling me the beginning of Contact, I didn't feel that way. When you were telling me Inglorious Bastards, I didn't feel that way. Now, granted, there's probably a bias there that you could have said it more animated or tried to make it more interesting. But <laughs> it doesn't sound like it would be as exciting as what you just said, you know?
0: And the whole time the kids are hidden... In the library, listening to this happen, and it takes all their strength not to call out and try and save his dad, or like sacrifice themselves to watch his not watch his dad die. Fucking mm. great, great scene, good movie, really good movie. I own it. That's the only place I can find it. That's the only reason I really? It's not on. It's not on Disney. Not on Disney Plus. I'm like, what the fuck? It's a Disney movie. It's a creepy ass Disney movie too. Maybe there's that's a fun. scene where he shows up in town, the ringmaster, and he's looking for the kids, and he's like, have you seen this boy? And he holds up his hand, and he has their faces tattooed on his hand, and the first time he ever talks to the father, this is the ce- This is a scene that, that comes before the library scene, he's like, you haven't seen these kids? And the kids are hiding in the sewer, looking up through the grate, and his dad's like, uh, no, I, I haven't seen them, I don't know who they are. And the, the ringmaster squeezes his hands so hard that they bleed, and the blood drips down onto the kids in the sewer. It's so crazy. Pretty cool. It's a cool it's a cool movie man. Something wicked this way comes. A great book. Ray Bradbury man knows how to write a bitchin' ass horror sci-fi book. Ray Bradbury is one of the masters. But like that scene in the library in Something Wicked This Way Comes is like one of those I'll never forget.
1: I mean that's I would watch that. We got time for a couple more, you think?
0: Yeah, yeah, we got a okay.
1: few more left. I have a couple more, but like it's funny. Jaws is probably the best movie I could think of. That is always, and I know you guys who have been listening for us for a while have heard me say, if an alien came down and said, I need to see one piece of American cinema, that's the one that I would show them without hesitation, without thinking. It's not my favorite movie, but I think it is the best. It is the best slathering, smathering of uh, many different film things in one movie.
0: Steven Spielberg, man, he's got a lot of scenes on this list. This was the first movie
1: I thought of while I was sitting down to come up with scenes for this. And I was like, you know what? There's not really one scene from this that stands out. Then I started doing other movies and I was like, oh, wait, that one scene from Jaws. And I wrote it on the list. And then later on, I would be like, oh, that scene from Jaws where this happened. By the end, I had four or five scenes from Jaws. <laughs> you're like, I'm just summarizing spots. Jaws at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, at this point, it's just like cliff notes for Jaws.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, this one scene in Jaws where this girl's on this beach and then she gets pulled under by the shark. Okay, this next scene in Jaws when they find this girl on the beach. And you're like, y- you're just summarizing every scene from Jaws at this point. <laughs> I mean, to me, there's a couple big ones. I'm going to what, tell what's you the that. Big, hit, the, hit me with the biggest one for you, personally. Not not necessarily like what maybe other people say. You said the word personally, and I I don't,
1: this worked before I was a dad, but now that I'm a dad, it hits me in the fucking chest when he's sitting at dinner and he is just trying to figure out what the fuck to do. And his kid is sitting next to him, copying what he does with his hands. And then the, like, we see it. And then the dad, like, I'm going to get choked up saying it. The dad notices it. Yep. They're folding their fingers together, puts like a praying hands, makes a, then the dad notices that the kid is doing it. And that is enough to get the dad out of his funk. Stop thinking about this terrible crisis that is on his shoulders coming at him from two or three different angles. And he looks at his son and he plays a game with his son and he does certain things. The son copies. He makes a face at the kid. I'm going to get choked up saying it. And then he says, give me a kiss. And the kid goes, he goes, give, give us a kiss. Give us a kiss. And the kid goes, why? And he goes, because I need it. And the kid is like, my dad needs it. He get the kid. If you watch, and I don't know that this is just the way kids act when they're actors, but like the kid gets up, gives them a nonchalant kiss and sh- and like skips away because he doesn't know what his dad is going through. But to me, I don't know how Brody would have made it through the rest of the movie without that scene because that kid doing that with him, kissing him, grounds him. It shows him what's important. It shows him that he is a good man, that that kid, that that his father is God to that kid and that is important and he can take a deep breath there, you know, and I think that's such an amazing interaction to have and if you took that scene out of the movie, it would not change the movie but it is so important for that character and it hits me emotionally maybe more than any scene in that entire film.
0: Damn, Rumi, you know what? Sometimes you're pretty smart,
1: dude. (laughs) Thanks, man. That's a really good... Yeah, you guys guys think shitty movie Sunday, but...
0: I would have never picked that scene in a million... I wouldn't even... that, That scene wasn't even on my radar, but the second you started mentioning it, you're like...
1: Wait till your kid smiles at wow, you. Like, wait man. till your kid looks at you and you could see man. Sammy look at you and be like, that's dad. It, it, it'll, it changes your that world. That wasn't
0: even on my radar. I like, I, I don't even, that, that scene doesn't stick out to me when I think about that movie. But now that you like the way you explained it and the second you started describing, it, I was like, I know that scene. Oh man. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, why that's still in the movie? Mm. Why that matters is, is real. More so than any time we ever saw the shark, absolutely. The weight on Brody's shoulders, and the part that they cut out of the movie and that was in the book is uh, his wife's cheating on him with fucking Richard (laughs) Dreyfus. So that would have also been weighing on his shoulders. Yeah, man, that's a good one. One of my favorite scenes in that movie that isn't like shark-related is the "Show Me the Way to Go Home," which everybody's like, "Oh, that one's ad-libbed." That's on my list too. But I think that that is one that grabs you from a moment that could be boring, but they're singing, they're having a good time. And then he tells this fucking story about the sharks in the USS Indianapolis. And you're like, that is haunting. And, and here's another one. Here's another scene that ties right into that. Not from Jaws. The scene in night of the living dead, when the main character, Ben tells the story of when he's at the gas station. He yes. Sees with the truck. Getting, yes. With the
1: truck plowing through them. They it's didn't even somebody, move.
0: Yeah, it's somebody on screen. Mm hmm. Just talking, which can be very boring, but what they're saying and how they're delivering that story r- pulls you in so well that you are invested in that mm-hmm. scene. And when that scene's over, you're like, damn, it leaves you kind of like, man, wow, that was intense.
1: To, to segue into the scene of Jaws that you just said, this was on my list of two, my list two. You, you know, you watch this movie Jaws and to me, you have the horror movie aspect, which is the first half of the movie. Then you have the men on a boat, men versus men, men versus themselves at the second half of the movie. You have Hooper and Quint have hated each other, this whole movie. They're on a boat. They have a couple drinks. They've had some experiences together now. And they start showing off and bragging and drinking to each other's scars. And to me, that's another human moment. And that evolves into the Indianapolis story, which is one of those moments where it's like, you focus in, it's almost like that vertigo shot where it's like the zoom dolly, and like you zoom Trombone or push shot. Yeah, you push in, and it's like, you just listened to Quint tell this story. He was one of the people who dropped the first nuclear bomb off where it was going, and he also watched a lot of men eaten alive by sharks. Now think about what that does to his character. It's one of those things where like, Hooper hates him until that scene more or less and that opens the door to be like holy shit there's more going on here than we would think and like you said about the soap in uh in Ralphie's mouth in Christmas story the Spielberg just uh, i mean just magically pulls from that moment into a whale song and they look at each other and Brody says what's that and he says it's it's a whale song that's a whale singing and then they sing show me the way to go home and at that point, it's just three men fishing, you know? Yeah. And we have this giant killer shark thing we're worried about. One of us is now a World War II survivor who dropped the Hiroshima bomb off and watched his mates be eaten by sharks. But we're fishing. We're fishing. You know, and, and it's just... Fuck, man. How does... It, to be in the same movie as the thing that I described. And there's... I still have two other Jaws scenes on this list that blow me away that like one of them I, I learned about in school. I remember learning about in high school. And it's just like you really could take a master class on that fucking movie alone.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I want I want to give something real quick to back to Quentin Tarantino because I do give Quentin Tarantino a lot of shit, but I cannot deny that I have a lot of respect for him as a director and a writer. The stuff he's done and the stuff that made me want to make movies Come from Quentin Tarantino. I'm not, you know, you cannot yeah, yeah, deny yeah. his influence on me personally. And I want to put, you know, I, I could pick a bunch of scenes in, in you know, Reservoir Dogs or, or Pulp Fiction, but one of the ones I want to throw out is in True Romance, White Boy Day, when Christian Slater goes to talk to uh, his new girlfriend's pimp, played by Gary Oldman. I think that scene is br- brilliant because he goes in thinking he's hot shit. And is in way over his head. And I think it's just a great scene of an arrogant white boy who just thinks he's he's going to go be a cowboy and it backfires on him. Very
1: I need far. to watch that movie again because I've only seen it like maybe I think twice in my life. Yeah. And I'd already seen all of Tarantino's later things. Yeah. So to me, I didn't see that evolution. It's like watching you know part one after you've already seen two, three, four, and five. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember disliking it, but I also don't remember hitting the same chords with me that it may have seen. So it's a, it's a
0: Tony Scott movie and Quentin Tarantino wrote the movie. Wrote, it, yeah. And, you know, it's it's a great cast, an incredible cast, and it's just a great scene where he sits down and uh, Gary Oldman plays Drexel who's this pimp and he's got a fucked up eye and he's like, grab an egg roll and he's like, and he's like, I don't want an egg roll, I'm not hungry. And he's, he thinks he's being slick, like he's seen too many movies and, he goes, well, what is she worth to you? He's like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you what, what she's worth to me. And he hands him an envelope and he opens it. It's empty. And he goes, that's what it's worth to me. Nothing. And he goes, you've been in here. You won't eat my egg rolls. You won't watch my TV. And the whole time there's been a pair of titties back on that TV. And he goes, I've seen plenty of titties. And I already seen that movie. It's the Mac. And he's like, he's like <laughs> he knows the movie. And he's like, and, and he, he, he looks up to his bodyguard, Drexel does. And he goes, is it White Boy Day? Nah, man it ain't white boy day. <laughs> <laughs> they begin to like, it, has, it turns into a shootout and he escapes there with what he thinks is his girlfriend's uh, suitcase, but it's actually full of cocaine and they have to escape and go across country to try and sell this cocaine. It's a great movie. It's a little, I won't say a little outdated. It's definitely outdated. There's, yeah, yeah. There's a whole scene where two white guys talk about the N-word for quite a long time and you're like, oh, 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 gee, <laughs> Thanks, Quentin, but... There's a lot of parts of that movie that are damn good, damn good movie. What
1: well, do you have a another scene to to wrap us up
0: here? Yeah, let me mention a couple. Training Day, the card game. Have you ever had your shit pushed in? <laughs> <laughs> I think that scene's pretty awesome. All right. How about the Lay Miz? Here's a musical scene. They did the movie of Lay Miz. It's Anne Hathaway. She's singing "I Dreamed a Dream." I didn't give a shit about this mu- movie. The musical didn't care for the actress. I'm watching this movie with my wife because I'm trying to be a good husband who cares about the things my wife cares about. We're watching this movie and this song is one single shot that's tight on this woman's face while she sings this song. Doesn't cut away. And it was so emotional and so well done by the end. I was like, I hope she lives. Is she okay? Like It choked me up because it was so well done emotionally. Awesome scene. I haven't seen it. If you were into Les Mis as a musical, it's a it's a good movie. But- I was like, think okay. I'm into Les Mis
1: as a story. Like that was one of those yeah. I had to read it in high school. I read the cliff notes and was like, actually, that sounds awesome. But then when I went back and tried to read a chapter, I was like,
0: Ugh. Silence of the Lambs. There's a bunch of like scenes in that that I think you could pull from that were our masterpiece, like tension building discussions. Yeah. But my favorite one is the museum escape quid pro quo, yes, Doctor Lecter. Me too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, the first scene in the Matrix. I think the Matrix is full of brilliant moments, but the first scene grabs you in, I think my men can handle a little girl. No, officer, your men are already dead. And you're like, what? (laughs) And then when she jumps up and spins around, if you saw that movie when it came out, you had never seen that before in your life.
1: Exactly, yes. I was thinking that too. On my list was the the lobby shootout from that scene. That's my favorite scene
0: of the movie, but I don't know if I put that on a masterpiece level.
1: But I... I, I, Yeah, that's why I haven't mentioned it up until now, because I don't think it's masterpiece, but... I think actually, you're right. If you think about what a scene is, what you're saying, that part of the movie is a better scene. Yeah. Fuck, Matrix, that... Uh, mm.
0: Apocalypse Now, the last bridge scene. Do you know who's in charge, sir? Yeah, man. And he <laughs> just walks off. I love that. <laughs> but here's here's the one. Here's the one I'm going to leave you with. Okay. This is Sunset Boulevard. All right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Damn. I love this movie. This is a... Do you really? I love this movie. This movie starts out with a man dead in a swimming pool. He's like, "There I am dead in a swimming pool."
1: narrating him his own life, yeah,
0: narrating his own life. and it's about a guy who he's a writer in Hollywood and he shacks up with a like a, a an a-list celebrity who has faded she is she is she's not in the public eye anymore, but she wants him to write a movie to be a comeback, and he basically betrays her love. Like he basically strings her along. Like she's like she falls in love with him and he doesn't necessarily rebuff her. He kind of plays along with it to keep getting that sweet sweet money.
1: Yeah, cuz you know, yeah, he, he's getting that benefit. He,
0: yeah, he's honey potting her in a way and nice. she kills him for it. Spoiler alert. But you realize that she's going crazy this whole time like slowly crazy if she wasn't crazy already. But the last scene all the reporters are there to arrest her. And she's like, I need to put my makeup on. I need to be dressed. I'm not ready for this scene. And you realize with every step down the stairs that she thinks she's in a movie at this point. And she Even more like, like she's getting yeah.
1: deeper into it as she goes yeah. down the staircase. And,
0: and she starts out like it's, it's her basically stepping from backstage back into the spotlight. And this is the moment she wanted. But she's treating it like she's stepping onto a red carpet, not mm. being arrested for murder. And she gets to the bottom of the steps, and with this crazy look in her eyes, she says, all right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. And all the cameras are flashing. But it's like they're reporters reporting on her arrest. It's an crazy scene, but it's a great cap-off, and the look in her eyes is wild and crazy. It's a, it's a super famous line that is always misquoted. Everybody says, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeVille. Or DeVille but it's, all right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. <sighs> so good.
1: That's and one of those movies, movie. too, that, like, I remember like in high school in high school of all times when I was working my way through the AFI's top a hundred American movies. Yeah. I remember getting to that one. I was like, uh, you know, in high school, I, it's not that I was against black and white, but it takes an extra minute to watch a black and white movie. You know, they're longer. Yep. The shots are longer. The transitions are longer. And I was like, Oh, black and white. And I was like, Oh, it's about an old actress. Then you watch it and you're just like, wow. And it's definitely one of those movies. And I don't think the AFI list, and I don't think everything on the AFI list is like this. But this is definitely one of those movies, if you haven't seen it, watch it once. Just watch it once. If you don't like it, fine. But like, you need to try it, at least watch it once, because it is fantastic.
0: Yeah. Sunset Boulevard is a classic to me. And I think it's brilliant, too, because it's all these... Also, it helps that we have lived and worked in Hollywood and seen glimpses of this story. Sure, yeah. Like... Down a hallway, like if, if we're, if, if living in Hollywood and working in Hollywood is the equivalent of like maybe working at a hotel or something, we've walked past open doors and seen some like creepy dog shit and it just reminds <laughs> you of, it just reminds you that I was going to say down a, a hallway,
1: dangerous. dude, I got shot by a, I got shot by a has-been actress once. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's it's wild. I mean, and and you see things out here, and you do you meet the people who are like, I still got stuff going on. You're like, no, you don't. <laughs> you I, don't. The way I've I, I've described people is there's nothing creepier than showing up to a party and somebody's partying alone.
1: <laughs> it's That's happened.
0: True. It's happened. Where somebody's like, hey, we got a party going on. Come on up, and you show up to the party, and you're like, where's everybody else? I'm like, this is it. Let's do this, and you're like. Got to go. Sorry, buddy. Whoa. <laughs> like, oh. I don't yeah. want to end
1: up narrating my own death in your pool.
0: <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Man, it's wild. But guys, tell us what you think some of the best movie scenes of all time are. What are some of the masterpieces of cinema? Scenes that really made you go, wow. wow. Let us know on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at on Our website, launchpadpod.com. Matt, should we do a countdown? We haven't done a countdown in a while. Oh, Well, that's true. It's just,
1: yeah, you're right. We haven't done a countdown I in a feel while.
0: like it I feel like it's a countdown. I mean, we are launched by a podcast, Repulse Culture Countdown, who never does a countdown and farts into microphones.
1: <laughs> we haven't said countdown in a while. And we did tell everyone that we were going to do more cool shit. Yeah, I guess let's do it. it this is definitely it. a countdownable countdownable episode.
0: Absolutely. So, uh, guys, hang tight. We'll be right back with the countdown for Masterpiece Movie Scenes
1: ignition
0: sequence start five four three two one zero lift off. we have a lift off. Well, all right we're back the pulp culture countdown for the most memorable scenes masterpieces if you will and number five well i know we talked about a lot so we'll just gloss over it here the jewel high scene in muppet caper man that scene is brilliant i cry every time <laughs> i think it like Changed cinema, and I'm surprised it's not on more people's lists.
1: Uh, the word you forgot was masterpiece.
0: It is a masterpiece. How about that?
1: Well, it's got that guy who's not Chevy Chase in it. What's his name? The guy who's like a wannabe. I said we guy? were
0: glossing over you, Matt. Go to number four.
1: <laughs> <laughs> number four, we have the T-Rex Escape in Jurassic Park. You have the two cars, different groups of people in each car. The T-Rex is... First, we don't know where he is, but we know he can get out. Then he gets out, and just that just kicks that movie off. It's got tension. It's got excitement. It's got scariness, and you feel for those kids.
0: Oh, the kids are in so much danger. What a great scene. All right, number three, we have the hook scene. I love this, this dinner scene, the imaginary dinner scene that becomes a real dinner scene. I think it's brilliant. I love the progression, and I love that it shows that when he accepts... The wonder of like childlike imagination, and then in Never Neverland, it becomes real. Eh, that's amazing. Or you I, can be like, that's really sad because they're all pretending to eat and they're starving. Either way, <laughs> it's a great scene.
1: <laughs> you sold me on it, Like just how you said, like the, the scene in Jaws, you never thought of it that way. Yeah. I never thought of the scene in Hook that way. Although I feel like if I was there, I would have believed, but like to a certain point, like I probably would have pretended to call Domino's. You know, like, okay, that looks good, you guys. Beep, boop, beep. Hello, can you send uh, to Lost by Island? Can you send a a, a pepperoni and cheese, please? (laughs) You're
0: doing it sort of, Matthew. (laughs) Macaulay Culkin shows up. Did somebody order me a plain cheese pizza? (laughs) And Rufio's like, (laughs) well, we did, but we ate it all. So now you're gonna have to wait for somebody to you're, barf you're it all Get up. a
1: plate and barf. Get away, get a plate, Kev. Uh, uh. <laughs> Rufy,
0: oh, bang, rag. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling on to number two, Psycho. There's a couple scenes in this, but I think Matt and I in our one of our rare brotherly moments where we're on the same page about a movie where everybody else is saying Psycho shower scene. Yeah, that shit is dope. And I was mimicking. For those of you seeing, I'm mimicking the stabbing, not giving a big jerk. <laughs> oh yeah, I thought you were jerking some guy off. <laughs> <laughs> the shower scene is great. It's it's amazing. The shower scene is great. It's amazing. It's like iconic. But Matt and I both agree that the scene where the detective gets stabbed and falls down the steps is a masterpiece.
1: Oh, it's so good. If you and you guys, part of the fun of this episode, if you guys don't remember these scenes closely check them out and there's plenty of websites that show just the scenes from it. It's cool to watch because you really can see like the things that have making the, even the top 5 list they're on there for different reasons and it's really fun to watch them even at a context of the movie. Check out the Arbogast scene, but that is not our favorite scene that we talked about today at least. I don't even know if I can pick one, but I'll pick one movie Jaws. There's four fucking scenes from Jaws that I had on my list. Two of them we didn't even talk about, but I will definitely stand by the dad and the son copying scene i just i it gets me in the heart man it's so so good but then also you have that indianapolis that rolls into the singing i just i mean how can you catch humanity on the screen more than those two scenes you know what i mean it's they're both very serious they're both a lot of gravitas in it but also it makes you feel good in both of those situations it really is just like a really great snippet of Humanity, you know, I and I fucking, I love that. I love that movie. I love those scenes.
0: I guess Steven Spielberg wins the masterpiece scene award from the Launchpad Podcast because he made the list three times today, and if not more, I could come up with several like, <laughs> easily, easily more scenes that Steven Spielberg has just slammed. Dunked. He is going
1: to be psyched when he hears that. Yeah, he he's like, from thank us. you
0: guys. Wow. He's yeah, Steven. If you're listening right now,
1: I mean, I you know you know I, you let me call me. I was going to say you let me call you SS, but I feel like he actually wouldn't.
0: Well, Steve, give me a call. We'll, 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 we'll give it to you in person. We'll give you a prize. I'll, I'll make up some sort of little trophy. I don't know. Uh, but it's been great. This has been fun, man. I, I think we could do like multiple episodes because I have uh, I read a huge list of stuff I could talk about all day. This actually gave me some ideas
1: for other episodes too. Yeah. Actually, we'll put that on our YouTube for We got so much For those stuff. of you who are watching our YouTube content,
0: yes, check us out on YouTube, The Launchpad Podcast. We we are airing the episodes raw. So there's some stuff in there that we got cut out. Like if you're listening to us now on a podcatcher, we cut out certain things like how we decide to make the list. We just roll right through how we made a list. Uh, on YouTube, and you can go check that out. Maybe just jump to the end if that's all you care about. But it's funny to watch us do it. You can see me pantomiming <laughs> ripping pages. See how the bread out. is <laughs> made. See how the sausage. No, there are no sausages on our YouTube feed.
1: <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: Matt, this has been fun. Let's blast this off, man. Yeah, that's a good one. At least go to our YouTube page to see how we do a remote. Launch pad blast off. I'm sure a lot of you are like, how are these idiots. We've do a probably high five?
1: done more remote than we have in person at this point, right?
0: At this point, we have. Well, man, this has been really fun. I was going to sing us off with "Show Me the Way to Go Home," but give me a kiss, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to say why?
1: <laughs> nope. I know. (laughs) Our relationship (laughs) transcends that of even father and son.
0: Ah, Hilarious, guys. This has been good. We're the Rocketeers, and we are (laughs) out. Ignition
1: sequence start.
0: Six, five, four, three.